the following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. Wait a minute. Do you still think politics is boring? Well, not when you can say fun words like cacus. Yes, it's fun words like cacus and more. With the intellectual, intersexual, and intersectional, Nicole Sandler on NicoleSandler.com. We begin in May of 2018 in Santa Barbara, California. Hey, Carl, it's me, Dad. By the time you're watching this, you will have grown up to be strong and courageous, but I don't know how much longer I'll be around for you. I was diagnosed with ALS today, which is a deadly, debilitating disease. After I was diagnosed, the president passed a tax bill that put my health care at risk. So I went to Washington, D.C. My next guest made headlines when he confronted a Republican senator on an airplane. You can be an American hero. I wanted to help create a better country for you to live in. Democracy is beautiful. Democracy is beautiful. All that matters to me is to make you proud because I'm already so proud of you. Two years later, August 2020 Democratic National Convention. Hello, America. My name is Audie Barkin and I am speaking to you through this computer voice because I have been paralyzed by a mysterious illness called ALS. Like so many of you, I have experienced the ways our healthcare system is fundamentally broken. Enormous costs, denied claims, dehumanizing treatment when we are most in need. Since my shocking diagnosis, I have traveled the country meeting countless patients like me, demanding more of our representatives and our democracy. Today, we are witnessing the tragic consequences of our failing healthcare system. In the midst of a pandemic, nearly a hundred million Americans do not have sufficient health insurance. And even good insurance does not cover essential needs like long-term care. Our loved ones are dying in unsafe nursing homes, our nurses are overwhelmed and unprotected, and our essential workers are treated as dispensable. We live in the richest country in history and yet we do not guarantee this most basic human right. Everyone living in America should get the health care they need, regardless of their employment status or ability to pay. Even during this terrible crisis, Donald Trump and Republican politicians are trying to take away millions of people's health insurance. With the existential threat of another four years of this president, we all have a profound obligation to act. Not only to vote, but to make sure that our friends, family, and neighbors vote as well. We must elect Joe Biden. Each of us must be a hero for our communities, for our country. And then, with a compassionate and intelligent president, we must act together and put on his desk a bill that guarantees us all the health care we deserve. Text vote to 30330 to learn how to vote safely. Because our lives depend on it. That was Audie Barkin. Uh, his speech, such as it was, to the 2020 Democratic National Convention. 
Audie Barkin, I'm sure if you're listening to this show, you're familiar with his work. Audie Barkin was tireless in his quest for um, Medicare for all, for universal health care, so that anyone who was surprised with a diagnosis as he was, something so horrific as ALS, would get the care that he needed without uh, putting his, um, his family's future at risk. But he was not so fortunate. Adi Borkin fought ALS for longer than most because he was a fighter. And he lost his battle last night. Adi Borkin died at the age of 39 from a horrific disease. But he kept working even over these past few years after he had lost his voice. Um, he did testify before Congress and after he had already lost his voice. I want to share that testimony with you today because we're still here. There but for the grace of dog. ALOS, ALS is Horrible. I had somebody close to me die from ALS. It's a sickening disease. In a world where there's so much sickening crap going on, the least we could do is take care of each other. Instead, right now, Adi Barkin, of course, you know, he dies at a time when open enrollment has just begun in this country. And let me give you a little bit of what I'm going through. I will turn 64 in two days, three days, two two days on Saturday. Going through the offerings of health insurance, what is available on the exchange, it's clear to me that they don't want me to get to 65 to the uh, Emerald City of Medicare. Because the way the policies are written, the premiums are higher, the deductibles are higher, and the services and um, what they cover is less and less and less. And if I'm fortunate enough to be able to pay to meet those exorbitant deductibles, and then or or before, uh, God forbid, my cancer comes back or some other debilitating disease hits me, my copay after the deductible, after paying exorbitant premiums every month, is 50% coinsurance. Oh, some are as low as 40%. Audie Barkin fought for you and me to not have to go through this shit. So... In his honor, I will share with you his congressional testimony, his final congressional testimony. Audie Barkin, everybody, please heed his words. Chairman McGovern and members of the committee, thank you for inviting me to testify today. My name is Audie Barkin. I am 35 years old and I live in Santa Barbara, California with my brilliant wife, Rachel, and our beautiful toddler, Carl. 
She is an English professor at the University of California Santa Barbara and I am an organizer at the Center for Popular Democracy and the Be a Hero Project. I earned my bachelor's degree from Columbia University with a major in economics and my law degree from Yale Law School. For 20 years, since I was a freshman on my high school debate team, I have been giving speeches and presentations on topics like health care reform and the federal budget. But never before have I given a speech without my natural voice. Never before have I had to rely on a synthetic voice to lay out my arguments, convey my most passionately held beliefs, tell the details of my personal story. Three years ago, Rachel and I felt like we had reached the mountaintop. We had fulfilling careers, a wonderful community of friends and family, and a smiling, chubby infant boy. We could see decades of happiness stretching out before us. The sun was shining and there was not a cloud in sight. And then, out of the clear blue sky, we were struck by lightning. ALS. A mysterious neurological disease with no cure and no good treatment. A life expectancy of three to four years. Most of its victims are in their 50s and 60s. I was 32. Every month since my diagnosis, my motor neurons have died out, my muscles have disintegrated, and I have become increasingly paralyzed. I am speaking to you through this computer because my diaphragm and tongue are simply not up to the task. Although my story is tragic, it is not unique. Indeed, in many ways, it is not so rare. Jennifer Epps Addison, the president of my organization, is sitting next to me. Like me, her husband was struck at a young age by a neurological disease. Multiple sclerosis. 10% of Americans have a serious disability. Every family is eventually confronted with serious illness or accidents. On the day we are born and on the day we die, and on so many days in between, all of us need medical care. And yet in this country, the wealthiest in the history of human civilization, we do not have an effective or fair or rational system for delivering that care. I will not belabor the point, because you and your constituents are well aware of the problems, high costs, bad outcomes, mind-boggling bureaucracy, racial disparities, bankruptcies, geographic inequities, and obscene profiteering. The ugly truth is this, health care is not treated as a human right in the United States of America. This fact is outrageous. And it is far past time that we change it. Say it loud for the people in the back, health care is a human right. For my family, although we have comparatively good private health insurance, ALS now means paying out of pocket for almost 24-hour home care. This costs us $9,000 every month. The alternative is for me to go on Medicare and move into a nursing home, away from my wife and my son. So we are cobbling together the money from friends and family and supporters all over the country. But this is an absurd way to run a health care system. GoFundMe is a terrible substitute for smart congressional action. Like so many others, Rachel and I have had to fight with our insurer, which has issued outrageous denials instead of covering the benefits we paid for. We have so little time left together, and yet our system forces us to waste it dealing with bills and bureaucracy. That is why I am here today, urging you to build a more rational, fair, efficient, and effective system. I am here today to urge you to enact Medicare for all. 
There are three simple reasons why Medicare for all is the right solution, the only solution, to what ails the American healthcare system. I will summarize them here, but I urge you to read the fantastic testimony submitted by the National Nurses United for more details. First, Medicare for all will deliver to everyone living in America the high-quality care that we deserve. The law will provide comprehensive care, including primary and hospital care, dental, vision, reproductive, and mental health care. We will all be allowed to see the doctors and specialists we want. And, crucially, the program will provide for long-term services and supports that will allow people like me to stay in our homes and communities, with the people we love. This will dramatically improve life for the tens of millions of people whose families include older or disabled people. Second, Medicare for All will save the American people enormous sums of money. Under the program, there will be no premiums, no deductibles, and no copays. That means that we will no longer need to choose between paying the rent and filling a prescription. It means we will no longer delay necessary care until it is tragically late and tragically expensive. It means that we won't have to worry every year when our employer announces the new rates. It means that we can finally start to eliminate the atrocious racial and economic disparities that destroy so many lives, that rob our communities of so much dignity, that strip us all of our common humanity. Any proposal that maintains financial barriers to care, any proposal that continues to charge patients exorbitant copays, deductibles, and premiums will necessarily leave people out. Any proposal that maintains the for-profit health insurance system will require that some people don't get the health care they need. Without the generous support of my family and friends, this would include me. Crucially, Medicare for All is the only way to make our health care system more efficient. Over the past three years, I have seen firsthand how the current system creates absurdly wasteful cost shifting, delays, billing disputes, rationing, and worry. Administrative waste is costing us hundreds of billions of dollars every year. Medicare for all will streamline the entire system, letting doctors and nurses focus on delivering care instead of on paperwork. As a single-payer program, Medicare for all will be able to eliminate immoral price gouging by pharmaceutical and device companies. The fundamental truth is that too many corporations make too much money off of our illnesses, and they are spending gazillions of dollars lobbying and campaigning and fighting to stop us from building something better. It is very important to emphasize the following point, these cost savings are only possible through a genuine Medicare for all system. Other proposals to increase health insurance coverage, such as those that would make Medicare compete with private insurance, would not facilitate administrative and billing savings. There are many other major benefits to Medicare for all, detailed in the written testimony submitted by the nurses and others. But my time to deliver this testimony is running out. And, in a much more profound sense, my time to deliver this message to the American people is running out as well. So I want to end on this third and final note. Our time on this earth is the most precious resource we have. A Medicare for all system will save all of us tremendous time. For doctors and nurses and providers, it will mean more time giving high-quality care. And for patients and our families, it will mean less time dealing with a broken health care system and more time doing the things we love, together. 
Some people argue that although Medicare for all is a great idea, we need to move slowly to get there. But I needed Medicare for all yesterday. Millions of people need it today. The time to pass this law is now. Winning this reform will not be easy. The moneyed interests will do everything in their power to stop us. And yet despite these obstacles and despite the personal challenges that I face, I sit before you today a hopeful man, a hopeful husband, and a hopeful father. I am hopeful because right now, there is a mass movement of people from all over this country, rising up. Nurses, doctors, patients, caregivers, family members, we are all insisting that there is a better way to structure our society, a better way to care for one another, a better way to use our precious time together. And so my closing message is not for the members of this committee. It is for the American people. Join us in this struggle. Be a hero for your family, your communities, your country. Come give your passion and your energy and your precious time to this movement. It is a battle worth waging, and a battle worth winning. For my son Carl, for your children, and for our children's children. We have a once in a generation opportunity to win what we really deserve. No more half measures. No more health care for some. We can win Medicare for all. This is our Congress. This is our democracy. And this is our future for the making. That was Audie Barkin speaking before Congress, his last public testimony. Audie Barkin lost his battle with ALS last night. Time ran out for him. It's going to run out for you and me too. Um, I, I'm, I'm disgusted. You know, one of the reasons I'm in such a lovely mood today, well, one of the reasons is because of the loss of Audie Barkin. It's just not fair. Life's not fair. The, the, the reasons are myriad why, why I'm in the mood I'm in today. Um, along those lines, you know, I've spent the last few days struggling with healthcare.gov because what I've learned is the closer you get to 65, the more they screw you over. And I honestly believe this is not just the cynic. It's not the adding the CY onto Nicole, but I did. Um, I honestly believe that they would rather us die than hit 65 and go on Medicare. The thing is, having access to doctors and procedures and medicines that can actually help you in the long run is better than denying you coverage until you get so sick that the treatment costs more than it would have had they just treated you in the first place. That's what Medicare for All is all about. That's what universal health care is all about. But I'll tell you what, what I've learned is it's not that simple. Because we've long, we here in the States, have long uh, envied our friends in Canada or in the UK because they do have universal health care. Well, 
I think Laffy will be back with us on Tuesday. She can tell you of the challenges of even getting a doctor in Canada. Because, you know, it is universal health care there. It's included. You pay for it in your taxes. But you have to have a primary care doctor to uh, navigate all your other care. And it's impossible to get one. We'll talk to Laffy about that next time she's on. Now, I know that Ireland is not technically part of the UK. But tomorrow, Marcy Wheeler will be here. I hope. I've got, I've got to reach out to her because she's dealing with this broken foot and a surgery that she had to have on it. And she said it was a nightmare. Now, she did qualify that by saying she lives in Limerick, Ireland, which she says has the worst health care in all of Ireland. So I don't know what the answer is. PNW Treehugger in the chat room said... Healthcare should not be a commodity. We just discovered our coverage will increase from $570 to $652 monthly for middling coverage. And this is a reduced rate through my wife's job. Now, because I, thanks to many listeners who don't contribute to support this program, because I earn so little each year, seriously, I qualify for a pretty sizable subsidy under the Affordable Care Act. I should pull it up for you so you could see what I've been dealing with for the last few days. And what I think I'm going to wind up doing is getting the cheapest possible plan available to me because it doesn't matter if I get the cheapest or the most expensive. Um... One thing they all have in common is that I have to pay the deductible before, say, hospital care would kick in. So there are some plans where the deductible is, you know, $2,500, $3,000, not many of them, one or two. Most of them have deductibles in the eight dollars to $9,000 range. And what they tell you is when you get down into the nitty gritty, and I encourage you, don't just look at what your copay is for your primary care and specialist and, you know, generic drugs. What you need to do is look at what labs will cost you, what x-rays or other imaging, like a CT scan, like I have to get every year, or an MRI of the brain that I have to get every couple of years. Um, these policies I'm looking at, I thought it was highway robbery in Florida, the policy I had, that it was a $250 copay for each of those imaging tests. Because the new policies I'm looking at for next year are a 40% copay after you pay the deductible. So I'm $9,000 out of pocket plus the premiums that I'm supposed to pay every month before insurance will kick in one red cent. Now, granted, I'm able to um, go to a primary care physician for, depending on the, on the policy, a $15 copay or a $50 copay or a $100 copay. And for a specialist, anywhere from 85 to 135 are you kidding me? 
Again, it's because I will be 64 in a couple of days. That last year before you turn 65, I'm telling you, they would rather have us dead. And maybe that's the, maybe that's the option. I don't know what the answer is. And then I'm looking at what's happening over in Israel and in the Gaza Strip, where for years, if you've listened to me for years, I don't care how long you've listened, you've heard me proclaim that Gaza is an open air prison and that Likud and the Netanyahu government of Israel has got to go because they're evil. I've long called for a two-state solution. I've screamed when the West Bank was the 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 legal Palestinian settlements in the West Bank were run over by Israelis, by the Netanyahu government. But it doesn't matter that for years I have been on the right side of that fight. I saw what happened on October 7th. Again, I'm Jewish. I'm not a practicing Jew. I'm an atheist. But my heritage, you're damn straight, I'm Jewish. And I grew up my whole life, and that will be 64 years in two days, hearing about the horrors of the Holocaust and what was done and what happened on pogroms. Well, what was happening on October 7th was a modern-day pogrom. Hamas terrorists hang glided into a rave where kids, my daughter's age, were partying. It was a peace music festival. And these terrorists came in with machine guns, Kalashnikovs, and gunned them down. And those that they didn't murder on the spot, they raped and tortured and kidnapped. That's what we heard about the first day. Then we learned how they went into kibbutzes. A kibbutz is where a group of families live and they all have their homes and they farm the land and it's a self-contained contained uh, community. Well, these, I was going to say Cretans, but I've been warned that the Cretans are an actual, they're humans who have a disease. So I won't use that term anymore. These these dregs of the earth, these terrorists who hide behind human shields uh, in Gaza, these Hamas terrorists went into kibbutzes and went home to home and rounded up people and set parents on fire in front of their children and murdered children in front of their parents and worse and kidnapped the few fortunate enough or unfortunate enough to live through it, to take them as hostages back into Gaza so they can be used as human shields, along with the Palestinian people who are imprisoned there. And let me just say, imprisoned by Hamas. Because if not for their actions, those people would be free to leave. And it's not only Israel keeping them imprisoned, it's Egypt, where the other border of Gaza lies, and Egypt says, I'm not taking them in. And Errol 
in the chat room says Netanyahu needs to realize that not every Palestinian is a Hamas member. Hey, Errol. I just need you to shut the fuck up because nobody asked you, bitch. I need you to shut the fuck up, bitch. Shut the fuck up, bitch. Just shut the fuck up, bitch. Shut the fuck up, bitch. Bow, bow. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Bow, bow. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Bow, bow. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Bow, bow. We know that not every Palestinian is Hamas. However, they let them govern over them for the last 10 years. They have done nothing to fight back against these terrorists who run herd over their society. Do you know they scream, we need fuel, we need fuel. Well, it's come out today that Hamas is stockpiling over 200,000 gallons of fuel. Why? To supply the rockets that they still lob and have lobbed over into Israel daily for these past 10 years. But the media doesn't, con- doesn't report on that. I'm not losing my grip, Fantoma. I'm not losing my grip one iota. And if you think I am, you can leave too. I'm seeing Jews being targeted in this country and around the world like I've never seen before in my lifetime. Anti-Semitic attacks are up over 400% since October 7th. And I see some of my former friends and former allies saying, well, they brought it upon themselves. No. They didn't bring it upon themselves. The whole situation is untenable. The whole situation is sickening and inhumane and horrific. But if you want to talk about genocide, look at, what, look at how Jews have been targeted over the centuries. I'm sorry about what's happening in Gaza. Maybe the Palestinian people there should work with the authorities, work with foreign governments who are trying to rid their territory of these terrorists who are using those people as human shields. Not only the 240 uh, um, uh, kidnapped hostages, but every single man, woman and child stuck there in Gaza. And if you disagree with me, then get the fuck out of my chat room and stop listening to this show. I've had it. I'm done. Got it? Good. All right. I, again, I expect to see a few of you leaving. And if you disagree with anything I said, uh, silly Wonka, Israel didn't care about what? Sorry, I'm, I'm not seeing the whole chat. So, um, if you don't see where I'm coming from, then you should not be listening. Got it? Good. You're not, you're not contributing to the show anyway, so no great loss for me. Yeah, I'm pissed. All right. Time for Howie. It's a good thing the clock is telling me um, 
uh, you know, what time it is, or I'd keep going. I'd keep going. I got no choice. Are you a multinational corporation hungry for a treat? Well, come on down to Schmucky Chuckies, where you'll personally be seated by Chuck Schumer himself. So many dishes, and they're all fresh. You're going to love our Blue Dog special, the Dino Burger, because we say so. A good hamburger and french fries. And every burger comes with a side order of grits. I love grits. I love anything with corn. It's corn. All for only $50,000. Wash it all down with a dirty Debbie. Nine-tenths water, one-tenth orange juice. After a week or two, you drink this, it's 200 calories and it's acetic. And wipe your mouth with a tissue print of Glass-Steagall. For dessert, try our DNC tarts. Little cookies, tell the quality of that. Most restaurants give you a mint, but at Schmucky Chuckies, you get complimentary. Sweet and low. Who picks up the tab for all this? Find out now with Howie Klein of DownWithTyranny.com on The Nicole Sandler Show. Howie, you there? I'm here. Hello. Hi, how are you? Oh, I've had better days. Oh, sorry to hear that. You know, between, you're lucky, you're on Medicare. You, will you t- talk for a moment about how Medicare saved your life? Yes, Medicare is the greatest thing ever happened. And, uh, I mean, are you hearing an echo on No, but, uh, but I'll tell you, something is just not right. You're breaking up on me, and I don't know why. And um, I can try to bring you up on the other um, computer, but I don't think I have... Skype installed there. Something's funky here. All right. Well, let me try again. Oh, now it sounds, sounds perfect. Yeah. Now anyway, you sound uh, here. My 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 bills, my medical bills. Came, I stopped looking at them when they went over a million dollars, and there's no question in my mind that they eventually went over two million dollars, and they never asked me to pay a penny, and they never talked to me about it. They never said, "Are you sure you need this procedure?" They they it was just all about. Here is what my doctor wants. I mean, from the doctor, she would say, here's what I need. And they said, okay, here's, here's your money. That was it. Wow. So, yes, it was very different. You know, when I was at Warner Brothers, I, I was the president of one of the divisions. And one of the, one of the things about it that when my lawyer was um, negotiating my contract, that he said, he, one of the things he said is they already give you the best as part of your deal, they already give you the best um, health insurance that's available on the, uh, uh, you know, on the commercial market. Like you don't even have to ask for it. You, that, that's part of the deal. So I thought, wow, great. And then when I was going to you know, leave that program, when I retired, I was a little bit worried um, that I was going to go on Medicare. And as it turns out, Medicare is so much better than what they called the best insurance, the best healthcare insurance available. I mean, the best healthcare insurance still tries to screw you over. Yeah. And Medicare never did that. The only, the only problem I ever found with Medicare was, when, which was George Bush's version of Medicare, which was the, the, um, for, dr- for drugs. That was the part of Medicare that wasn't passed, the only part of Medicare that wasn't passed by Democrats. And it, it, uh, it just isn't that good. Uh, and that program is kind of a rip. Yeah. But in terms of everything in Medicare that was the real Medicare, that's all great. Um, is that what you wanted me to, to that say? That is exactly what I wanted you to say. And I bring this up because Audie Barkin died last night. 
And I know that's ter- terrible. Horrible. And he fought even through the worst throes of ALS when he couldn't speak. He had no control over his muscles, as he explained it. His tongue and his, I think he said larynx, no longer could get him through um, not only his speech, but any kind of verbalization. He fought for Medicare for all. And how much closer are we now than we were then? Not at all. We're away, I think. I'm sorry? I think we're further away. Yeah, I think we are. I think we are. And now it's open enrollment time, uh, both for uh, people on Medicare who are being pushed ad nauseum, these these bullshit Medicare Advantage plans that are neither Medicare nor an advantage. I had Wendell Potter on the show earlier this week to dispel that notion. But yesterday began open enrollment for Obamacare, you know, the Affordable Care Act that's supposed to make health care affordable, which it isn't anymore. It was at the beginning, but they've since, you know, um, weakened it so much that it is now just as worthless as it as before, except, you know, they can't they can't ding you for pre-existing conditions. But what they do now, Howie, um, I've turned 64 in two days. I've decided or I've realized that they would prefer anyone my age just die before we reach 65. So they don't have to cover us with full Medicare because the the policies that I'm being presented with are at best an insult. So you pay a premium, which has risen. You have ridiculous deductibles. And now, you know, they, they do a shell game where, you know, some of them, it looks like your, your primary care visits are only $10 and your tier one generic drugs are only three. But the, the, the rub comes in if God forbid you need to be hospitalized. Cause then what, you know what, you know what the options are? No idea. After deductible, you have a 40 to 50% copay. For both your room and for the doctors. So you ne- that means you need to pay the deductible before the health insurance plan uh-huh. will pay one red cent. So they'll get you coming or going. They'll, get th- they'll kill you either way. Well, you remember what Alan Grayson said when he was talking about Republican health care. Yep. Don't get sick. If you get sick, die quickly. <laughs> die quickly. Exactly. Die quickly. He was quite prophetic then. And yeah, so, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm more pissed off than anything. I'm pissed off about everything. I'm pissed off that my dog got bit by another dog the other day, and I've had to deal with that and watch him be in pain. But you know what? Thank God I have pet insurance because they pay 90% of whatever outrageous <laughs> fees the vets are charging. Unbelievable. Well, think of it like this. One more year of this, and then you're on Medicare. If I can survive it. Yes. Yeah. I always tell everybody to survive. Yeah. So that's what's got me in a mood today. So sorry. And, and the, whole, the whole Palestinian-Israel situation, there is no good answer. There is no good answer, except 
I, I think we all agree on that. What we don't agree on is um, people that I used to consider friends and allies are no longer many of them because I'm getting things to the effect of, well, Israel had it coming regarding Wait. October 7th. Friends of yours say that? No. Former friends of mine say that. A- Former allies of mine so say that. Do you, a- do you see what the Nation magazine is saying now? It's all Israel is evil and pal- the people in, uh, trapped in, in Gaza, you know, this is genocide. What happened to the Jews? Was that not genocide? Yes, it was genocide. And no one, no one denies that. Uh, some appear to be. The Jews, you're talking about the ones from World War Two. Uh, yeah, and now today, have you noticed the rise of anti-Semitism and attacks on Jewish people around the country and around the world? The um, uh, Cantor's Deli in Los Angeles overnight was vandalized by. I, but are you? It wasn't because the potato lockers are horrible, which they are. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that that wouldn't. No, I uh, love a good potato latke, and I and I I've tried it every few years. <laughs> I go in there and try it again, and it's hard. Their potato lockers are so bad. They, now they make a good matzo brai, who but can, uh, no. potato lockers, forget it. Go anywhere else. Don't if you want a potato lockers, don't go to Cantor's. Right. Um, okay, I, I and I don't begrudge you that. Maybe. But writing kill all the Jews uh, uh, oh on the God, wall that was- at Cantor's Deli, that's okay? The Jews don't cook anymore at Cantor's. They, they used to, like when I was a child. But now they're, they're, there's not one Jew in the kitchen. Okay, well, oh, I can't speak to that. That's not what they were upset about. Oh, I, I realize that now, I, I, as I just thought about it. They weren't, they weren't, they didn't care about the, the food. They were like... They were like upset because maybe they were Palestinians. Uh, no. Sure, there are a lot of Palestinians in LA. Oh, I know there are, but I still don't think that's what this is about. Um, Hamas terrorists went over the border on October seventh and did horrific things to people, but that doesn't seem to phase anybody. But but well, but uh, you're, wrong. you're wrong. I think it phases everybody. I, that's not what I'm seeing. Uh, it's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing people are very upset about what Hamas did. Absolutely upset about it. I'm not Even seeing that at all. Who are arguing that we have to support Israel are upset about what Hamas did. Uh, remember, people who are arguing th- that they're supporting Israel are absolutely upset about what Hamas did. There are people like me who've been. It's sickened by Israel's actions towards the, the, the people imprisoned on Gaza for decades. Has it been decades? For decades. And yet now no sympathy for the Jews. What we're, what we're hearing, what I'm hearing, the emails I'm getting and the ugliness I'm seeing even in my chat room is. Who has no for the Jews, that that that's you, 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 Israel government about- can't do to others what was done to its people. You know, I agree with that. But but what I'm hearing echoed back to me is, yeah, from the river to the sea. Why? So that's what Israel wants. Why can't the Palestinians want that? Well, they do. I know they do. 
That was the, that was the whole reason for a two-state solution. Right. And every time the Palestinian Authority was presented with a, a, a solution, a two-state solution, they said no. Every time they were brought uh, some kind of plan, they said no. And did you see the video from the Hamas terrorist on Lebanese television where he said the not-so-quiet part out loud? He said, what we did on October 7th, we will do on October 10th. We will do on October 10,000th. I don't care. We will keep doing that until we eliminate all Jews and the state of Israel. So what, are, what is Israel supposed to do? Say, okay, please, sir, I want some more. Um, well, no, they, they should do what they can do really well, which is to take that guy out. Well, that's what they're trying to do. But Hamas uses not only these kidnapped three, 240 people now as human shields, they use the Palestinian people as human shields. They're stockpiling fuel not to help, you know, save their people, but so that they can lob more rockets over on Israel. It's just, it's, it's the, 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 the pushback is very one-sided. And as an American Jew, it hurts. It cuts really deep because I didn't think we'd ever see this again and we're seeing it. Yeah, I'm not. Okay, well, I wish I was seeing no, what I'm you were not, seeing, but I'm, I'm not. And I'm not having the same experience that you are. Wow. I mean, are there some crazy, horrible morons who are out, you know, being anti-Semitic? Absolutely there are. There's no question about it. But that's like, they're like, I think they're not even worth paying any attention to. They're they're, they're inconsequential. Yeah, but when I know people are running around who want me dead because because of my heritage, that's kind of frightening. Yes, it is, but they're they're just like running their mouths. I mean, you shouldn't by talking about them. Uh, but meanwhile, I, I'm hearing how Israel is now guilty of genocide and people are will not vote for Joe Biden. What? So you want Trump instead? Oh, that'll make things better. I did a post today where, where I, that was the sub headline, like attention leaders of the Muslim uh, of Muslim communities. And in that post, especially towards the end of it, I have like what. Republicans have said about what they think about this, uh, about what U.S. policy should be like. And, and you should read it. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, uh, you don't need to read it because you already know. Yes. But any, any Muslim who's thinking about voting for a Republican or even enabling a Republican like Trump to get in should see exactly what they want. What, see what the Republicans want and compare that to what Joe Biden wants. It's, it's unbelievable. Now, I don't know that Israel, uh, Israel policy, if I remember correctly, back from even when I was a child, has always kind of been 10 for one, that kill, kill one of us will kill 10 of you. So I don't think they're going to, you know, stop killing until they're up to about 1,400, uh, 14,000. Or, you know, we conveniently forget, you take one, uh, one Israeli uh, hostage will free every one of the Palestinians we have in jail. And I guess that's what they wanted again. It was a one for 10,000. You know, it's, it's, no, I don't, I don't think that they want, they really cared that much about freeing anybody. I think they just wanted to, I think they were, they had a lot of objectives. 
uh, and I don't, I don't know what all of them were, but, but I think that their objectives aren't necessarily the same thing that we think they are. Like their, their big enemies is, is the uh, Palestinian Authority. And this, their war is kind of with them, and they're trying to show Palestinians, look, we're the ones who protect you, uh, we're the ones who are fighting this battle, we're the ones who are killing Israelis, uh, the Palestinian Authority isn't. Make us your leader. That's what they really want. They want to take control of the whole thing. So, I mean, we don't think about that, but that is what they want. And they wanted to kill Israelis. And they, they I think that freeing hostages might have been, or freeing prisoners, I shouldn't say hostages, might have been something that they wanted, but anyone who thinks that when they committed, when Hamas went into Israel and killed all these people, and so brutally and hideously, that if they thought, no one could have possibly thought that Israel wasn't going to do exactly what it's doing now. Of course. And that's what they want. Of course. That is what Hamas wanted. Hamas is a horrible organization. Thank you. The fact that Israel wants to wipe them off the face of the earth, yes, right on, they should do it. Um, but, but, you know, the problem, of course, is so-called collateral damage. That, that is, uh, that's what's so horrible. But Netanyahu said, uh, you know, we, he used the word revenge. We're yeah. going to get revenge. He used that exact word. And you, you, what you thought about Netanyahu a month ago, why would that change now? You still should think about Netanyahu. I do. As, I think even worse of he Netanyahu. Is. I think he's a fucking monster who needs to be taken out of office. The fact that they ever put him back in is reprehensible. He's a crook just like Trump un- under numerous federal indictments, and yet they put him back in office, which... Uh, they, every, they put him back in office. Israelis put him back mind. in office. It, the way that that election worked, the way that... Um, he he got a, he wound up back in office by about five thousand votes. Yeah. Now he he's not directly elected. No. He's elected uh, right by the parties who are elected through the Knesset. Right. But it was uh, the only difference between him getting in and not getting in was five. It was about a fifty-fifty election. Right. That's how it. That's how it, that's how it is, out. and that's how it don't is here too. Israel, don't but blame that's... all Israelis no. for the fact that uh, Netanyahu is the prime minister. Nor don't blame all. Um, the people in Gaza because Hamas is in charge of that place. Nor do I. Something like 70% of, uh, of, of people in Gaza did not vote for Hamas. Well, they weren't alive then. They had one election and it was over a decade ago. The thing, the thing that I have an issue with is that those people who are imprisoned in an open air prison on Gaza, I get it. Uh, if they're so upset with Hamas as their leaders, do something about it. They've had 10 years to rid themselves of these idiots. They could say, we won't stand for it anymore and push them out. Uh, I know that Israel and... It's easier uh, said than done. I, mean, I, I know it's easier about, said you know, than done. Push Putin out, push Hitler out, push Mussolini out, which is all those things means that you're, it's a death sentence for you and your family. Exactly. Well, it's a death sentence. You know, damned if you do and damned if you don't. So, right. So are you going to stand up for freedom to rid yourselves of these terrorists who have held court, have held you hostage as much as Israel has? Because the only problem Israel has is Hamas right now. I, I don't want, you know, I didn't want to go here. I wanted to talk about uh, what the fuck happened in the House yesterday. Either. What? Why did Jamie Raskin vote to keep George Santos in Congress? 
I don't know. I thought about calling him, but it wasn't just Jamie. There were about five or six um, solid progressives that voted uh, that voted that way. There were, most of the Democrats who voted that way are horrible. You expect them to yeah. vote that way. That's how they vote. But there were uh, there were five or six. I don't remember all their names, but Jamie was one of them. I've been meaning to call him and call a couple of the others and see. They must have had some rational reason. I mean, Jamie doesn't do something because he's an asshole. No. Jamie does something uh, based on principle. I just, I'm just not sure exactly what it was. Right. And, and I have heard him say, I just felt it was wrong to remove someone from office before they've been convicted of anything. But the thing is, no, he may not have been convicted in a court of law yet, but we know how he's lied about every single thing, how he how he he defrauded uh, the citizens of the district in New York where that he ostensibly rec, uh, represents. Um, we know all these things. There is no reason to keep that fraud, that fraud in um, in Congress. Um, I would have voted to kick him out, too. But I respect uh, I respect Jamie and the other Democrats who had a different opinion than I did. I, I understand that we're not all going to agree on every little thing, but almost all the progressives voted to throw him out. There were there were there, like I said, there were five or six solid progressives who, who disagreed and voted the other way. Yeah. Um, Sydney in the chat room says, uh, Jamie said to preserve due process so the Republicans wouldn't do it to Democrats without a due process decision. Do you really think oh, that, that Republicans <laughs> wouldn't do it to Democrats because they didn't do it to them? Come on. And especially since almost all the Democrats did vote to, to do it. The Repu- yeah, the Republicans would do anything anyway. It doesn't matter. That's right. That's right. And Jamie knows. Yep. Um, so I, I don't know. Meanwhile, they still have one extra vote in the House they shouldn't have. And two, George Santos, that creep, is still in the House of Representatives. It's bad enough they have Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, uh, what's her name, Bobert, Bobert uh, blowjob lady, and uh, Matt Gates. And I could keep going. I, I, so George Santos gets to stay? I, I'm, no, I'm, he just gets to stay uh, for a while. The House Ethics Committee said that they're going to have their report ready in about two weeks. Okay. And, that, and that's, what, that's what the Republicans wanted. Like I said, I would have voted to expel him. I feel, pre- I feel very, very certain that he is, is a criminal. I, uh, but I understand why Jamie said let it go, let it go to court first. Um, I, I get it. Uh, and I get why the members of the ethics committee voted present because it's a conflict yeah, well, of interest, right? That's a different story. But I, I, I just, I, yeah. anyway, that was one question for you. The other is since last week we had a guest on, we didn't really talk about the uh, Christian nationalist who is now speaker of the house. Yes. And we, and we should talk about him. I just want to say something uh, before we go away from the Israel thing, okay. which is that the House just a few minutes ago passed the IRS cut uh, the Israel bill. Oh my so in God. other words, holding the, the Israel, Israel aid hostage to this, uh, to cutting the money from the IRS, and it just passed. And not only did it pass, but 12 Democrats uh, voted with the Republicans. Let me guess. 
I, the, I don't know yet, because so I can't tell you, but if I, if I were going to guess, I would guess uh, Jared Moskowitz, yep. your former uh, congressman. Yep, right? Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Um, uh, maybe, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know any of the names. I'm just no. guessing that it would be Moskowitz, probably Gottheimer. Yep. Uh, you know, those are the people who, who would do something like that. Shame on them. Shame on them. Yeah. So instead of holding the crooks accountable in this country for the reason we can't have nice things... Um, They're going to go along with let them keep not paying taxes as long as we can fund Israel's assault on Gaza, because it's not going to help one way or another. And all it's going to do is serve to turn again uh, former progressives and I'll call them former against uh, the Democratic administration. So Trump gets back in because that's going to be the end result here. Possibly. We'll see. I mean, uh, I'm sure that Biden is going to veto it. He has said he would veto it. I um, hope so. And um, Schumer said he's not going to even bring it up uh, on the House floor. So okay. they'll, have to, they'll have to negotiate. Okay. All right. So we got a, got a couple of minutes left. What do you want to tell us about Mike Johnson? Well, I, I think that I don't think that there's anything that I can say that people don't already know. Uh, basically, uh, he's a bad guy. He not that much was known about him uh, in, in back down in specifics before they made him speaker. They they didn't you know they, they hadn't people hadn't been drilling down into his record, and now they're learning more and more stuff about him. So you know we're stuck with the guy. He's an he's you know he's absolutely awful. Uh, I did a I did a post the other day talking about anyone who thinks that we got off because he's not as bad as Jim Jordan is absolutely wrong. He is as bad as Jim Jordan. He's as bad as any extremist. And he just has a, um, you know, a different demeanor and he seems like not as bad a guy, but when it comes to policy and what he plans to do, he's probably more dangerous than Jim Jordan. Yeah. Oh, I believe so. Because at least with Jim Jordan, you know what you were getting, right? The emperor's got no clothes. We see him. We know this guy came out of the back bench. Nobody knows anything about him except now we do. His wife, first of all, they scrubbed their their Christian nationalist uh, 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 podcast from the interwebs. And now his wife took down her Christian, um, uh, you know, gay uh, therapy, conversion therapy website um, it's disgusting. These people are heinous. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And anyone who wants, like, you know, the greatest pictures of him, uh, you should go to the Down with Tyranny because we are doing, we're turning it, my artist is turning out amazing Ooh. pictures every day of this guy. Good. All right. I will go there and look. I, I, I usually do anyway. I've been, I've been no, sort the, of preoccupied the, the, the last few days because my dog was attacked and taking him to the vet and everything. Loving Arizona. I really am, except for the attacking my dog thing. Do you know uh, the, the three fates? No. Have you ever heard that? No. I'm, I, 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 I mean, I, I, I mean, I just thought everyone had heard of the three fates. And I spoke to a Greek scholar today who speaks Greek. And she said she never heard of them also. So I put up, before I found out that no one has ever heard of the three fates but me, I put up a post, and we have this picture, we have this great picture of three drag queens with, representing the three fates with, um, with Mike, uh, Maga Mike. Ah, okay. So I realized, 
afterwards, even though it's a great picture, no one's going to know what it is. But anyone who's listening who looks at it, uh, it's the three fates. <laughs> I will go look for everything it as uh, soon as from, we're done. Uh, birth, birth to death. Great. Well, uh, they're they're uh, they're wreaking havoc on the world today. Yes, and they, uh, you know, certainly, uh, you know, I was writing about how uh, Santos was, uh, you know, his fate was <laughs> tied up with with Maga Mike and these three uh, these three women. <laughs> I'll have to look out for that. Howie yeah, Klein. I mean, I have. I have a very, I have a strong feeling that they're waiting and that they will uh, they will kick him out because both the Republican Party of New York and of especially of Nassau County and Queens County want they want desperately want him out uh, and the re- the reason isn't has nothing to do with morals or anything like that the reason is there are so many people running in the primary that they can't control the situation. And they want they want to be able to name somebody rather than have a primary where anything can happen. Like someone like him won a primary. In any case, they're going to. Uh, so I think they'll kick him out so that they have a special election. If there's a special election, the uh, the two Republican parties, the Queens Republican Party and the Nassau Republican Party, get to name their own candidate. By the way, same thing with the Democrats. The Democratic Party of Nassau and the Democratic Party of Queens, they've already got their candidate picked out, Tom Swazi. So, um, and, you know, that's what these people are afraid of, is that there'll be a primary. So I, I, I believe that they kind of had a deal with um, McC- McCarthy, and now they've got to make the same deal with MAGA Mike to uh, get rid of him. And I think it'll happen. I think they will get rid of him. They're, they're going to wait for the, uh, you know, they want to wait for the last minute, of course, but they're certainly going to wait for the, um, uh, the the ethics committee to give their report. Well, MAGA Mike doesn't want him because, oh my God, he's, a, he's, he's, he's gay and he's a cross-dresser. <laughs> Goes against Yet his MAGA religion. Him. In, you know, people didn't vote to throw him out because no. of MAGA Mike. No, because I, I mean, they've look, only the got a four-vote majority. MAGA Mike, has, has, MAGA Mike has never done anything <laughs> for a gay person in his life except uh, except horrible things. Yeah, and and here he was. He he saved a uh, a drag queen. Amazing. <laughs> it is opposite world. I don't I don't understand any of it. <laughs> sure you do. I'm ready to go crawl under a rock. Howie Klein, as always, thank you. I'll talk to you next week. And maybe next week you'll be on Zoom. I feel bad about the dog. Thank you. I do, too. Oh, one more thing. Can, yeah. I, can I say something else? Of course. Else? So, uh, yes. Yeah, so, um, uh, Pramila Jayapal has a sister who, who is a county commissioner in, in uh, whatever, it's hard to pronounce, county that is, is uh, Portland, Oregon. Uh-huh. And she's... She's going to run for Congress. The congressman from there, Earl Blumenauer, is retiring, and um, I can't pronounce uh, her, her her first name. So, sister of um, Jayapal. So, as soon as I heard about it, I called up uh, Pramila, and I said, "Is she as uh, progressive as you are?" She said, "Yes, she absolutely as progressive as I am. My best friend. She's fabulous, and you'll wow. love her." And since then, I've spoken with her a couple of times, and she's fantastic. So the reason I'm mentioning it is because we should have her on the show. Oh, I would love to. Absolutely. Good. Yep. All right. You make it so. Have her email me and we'll give her all the details. Yeah, well, it won't be next week. Oh. She's, she just announced and she's, you know, obviously she's, you know, uh, got calls coming in left and right. I'm and she's sure. talking to the media. But as soon as it calms down a little bit, I'll ask her to come on. Perfect. Sounds great. All right, Howie Klein. Thank you so much. 
Until next time. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Feel better. Try not to watch TV. They <laughs> manipulate you into emotional uh, state with, with this war. And I hope your dog feels better. Thank you. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Uh, tomorrow, I think Marcy Wheeler, I have not spoken to her yet. Hopefully, her medical stuff is, uh, <laughs> is, is taken care of. So she will be here tomorrow. I'll find out. I'll let you know. Um, either way, uh, if Marcy's here, I'll be here. If not, probably not. All right. I'll see you. Bye.